0: So good to see you. it's so good to worship the Lord, amen, to be in his house with his people and worshiping the Lord. Turn with me in your Bibles, if you would, to Numbers chapter 12. Numbers chapter 12. Let's read verses 1 through 10. And Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married, for he had married an Ethiopian woman. And they said, "'Hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Hath he not spoken also by us?' And the Lord heard it. Now the man Moses was very meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. And the Lord spake suddenly unto Moses, and unto Aaron, and unto Miriam, "'Come out, ye three, unto the tabernacle of the congregation.' And they three came out. And the Lord came down in a pillar of the cloud.' And stood in, in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam. And they both came forth. And he said, hear now ye my words. If there be a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make myself known unto him in a vision. And I will speak unto him in a dream. My servant Moses is not so, who is faithful in all my house. With him will I speak mouth to mouth, even apparently and not in dark speeches. The similitude of the Lord shall, be, shall he behold Wherefore then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, and he departed. And the cloud departed from off the tabernacle, and behold, Miriam became leprous, white as snow. And Aaron looked and, behold, and upon Miriam, and behold, she was leprous. The Lord did heal her of that leprosy just seven days later, had her shut up and outside the camp and healed her. He didn't want to teach her a lesson, so to speak, and both, both of them a lesson. But I want us to look at this this morning in this context and in this sense. Moses needed the Lord to show up. Moses needed the Lord to come alongside and speak from heaven and defend him. The Lord, Moses needed the Lord to do that. And the Bible says, that, and the Lord spoke spake suddenly in verse 4, the Lord came. Spake suddenly and said, M- Moses, Aaron, Aaron, and Miriam, y'all come out. Stand before the tabernacle. I'm going to settle this thing. We need God to settle some things in our lives. Amen? We need the Lord to defend us, and he's faithful to do that. We need God to speak. We need the Lord to, God to utter his voice. We need the Lord to make himself known. And we need the Lord to bring clarity out of confusion. There are things going on and who's right and who's wrong and we don't know. We need God to show up and set it straight. He's more than able to do it. We need the Lord to bring clarity out of uncertainty. We need the Lord to bring clarity out of confusion. We need the Lord to uh, set the the wrong right and make it right when people are accused and so forth. And what is of God? We need the Lord to show up and say, this is of God. This is not of God. This person is doing what... What God's called him to do, this person is not. We, we need the Lord to show up and all that uncertainty to just, just be like a big fog that the sun burns off. and It's gone or a wind blows and all of a sudden, oh, now I can see clearly. We need the Lord to do that. He desires to do that. He's able to do that. He does it by his word. We need to know the Word of God. We preach the Word of God here, and we teach it in Sunday school, and we believe it, and we stand upon it. We need to know the Word of God because the Lord brings clarity through His Word, and He brings clarity through His Holy Spirit, who is the Spirit of truth, who guides us into all truth. We need the Lord to show up and make the truth known, and we need to trust God to do it. Amen. He wants us to trust Him to do that. We don't know, need to go to men if you're falsely accused or people are misunderstanding you in the ministry or whatever it may be. We don't need to go to men and, and try to persuade them to our sides. We don't need to go to men and try to get a coalition together like a politician's about to you know, run for office or, or have an uprising in the middle of a body of, of politicians. We don't need to get a coalition. We need to go to God. Moses didn't run around and say, get all, all the people that really liked him and believed he was a, the true man of God and to say, you go tell Miriam, and we'll have a vote, you go tell Miriam and, and Aaron you know, that, about me and how good a minister I am or something like that. He went to the Lord. Amen? He went to the Lord. What we see on the other side, we see men trying to go to men for help, and we need to go to God for help. There was a man, David's son, named Absalom. I know that you've heard this story. When he was a grown man, he, he literally rebelled against his own father. And over a t- period of years, he would stand out by the temple gate, I mean, by the gate of the city of Jerusalem. And his, David was a little, his father, David, was a little older this time, and he was the king. Absalom was his son. And Absalom would stand at the gates. And when people came in, he would say, oh, you're something special. And, and he would, what, what's your problem? What are you coming to see the king about? Oh, that, that's your problem? Oh, there's nobody. My father doesn't have anybody to judge the matter rightly. If I was king, boy, I would take care of you. I would t- and he kissed him. It says, thus Absalom stole the hearts of the people. What is he doing? He's going to man to try to take over a kingdom. He's going to men to build a coalition. What did David do when his son, when he heard the rebellion was in full force? And his son was, had a coalition of people. He did get a coalition, but it didn't last. He said, David says, I'm going to leave. I'm going to get my stuff and my little faithful people that are faithful to me. We're going to leave. And as he's crossing the river, he says, if the Lord delights in me, he'll bring me back. And the Lord delighted in him. And the Lord brought him, brought him back. And Absalom was killed in battle. We need to go to God to defend us. We need to turn to the Lord. We need to learn to t- turn to the Lord in little things, and medium-sized things, and in big things. And we need to trust God to show up and speak and defend in his time, in his way. We need to go to God. We need to call upon the Lord, and we need to believe him to work this way. We need to believe him to speak, and he is able to do it, and he does it. And, y'all, we must hear from God. We, we must have him. This is a need that we have. The church has this need. Individual people, we have this need. We need God to show up and work and do and speak. He must be our defender. We need to let him defend us. David said this, deliver me from my enemies. How many times did David pray something like this? Deliver me from my enemies, oh God. He's turning to the Lord. He turns to the Lord first. He turns to the Lord second. He turns to the Lord Always. Where other men are going to grab for straws and try to get somebody or something to help them. The Bible says vain is the help of man. Vain is the help of man. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. We're going to learn to go to God. We're going to learn it as a habit and as a practice. And by faith, turn to the Lord. Fires raging all around, enemies all around, whatever it may be. We're going to learn to go to God. This is what David says, deliver me from mine enemies, O my God, and defend me from them that rise up against me. You defend me. Now, God made him a mighty warrior, but he would turn to the Lord and trusted the Lord. Moses had uh, another rebellion. This was not the only time his own brother and sister rebelled against him. We just read it, but in Numbers chapter 16, we don't have time to read it all now. But there was a man named Korah. Now, Korah is spoken of, again, in the New Testament. It's not good. Korah was the ringleader of a rebellion against Moses. And he had two sidekicks, Datham and Abiram. And they together led 250 people. All the 250 were leaders in Israel, famous in Israel. That's what the Bible says. So these people were ringleaders. And I'm going to read just what they said. You take too much upon you. So here comes Korah. And he's leading a 250 people against Moses. And he says, you take too much upon you, Moses, seeing all the congregation is holy. Wherefore, then lift ye up yourselves. Well, they certainly weren't holy. Okay. All the congregation is holy. Wherefore, then lift ye up yourselves above the congregation. And when Moses heard it, what did he do? He slapped him in his face. Is that what the Bible says? When Moses heard it, he fell upon his face. Here's, here's the, the, the top leaders in the whole nation of Israel v- vocally coming against him in his authority and his calling in the Lord and saying, you take too much upon you. We're all holy. Who do you think you are? Later he says, you want to make yourself a prince over us. You, want, you, just, you take too much above your, on yourself and you have lifted yourself up above this congregation of people. Moses fell on his face before the Lord. Moses turned to the Lord instantly. And guess what? The Lord showed up. The Lord showed up on his behalf. We don't have time to read it all. But if God hadn't shown up, this is more than just for even Moses. This is for the Lord's testimony. The Lord showed up, and the the Lord sent fire from heaven, and it devoured those 250 men, and Korah, and Nathan, and Abiram. And then there's people came running to their aides and saying, well, Moses, you killed all these 250 people. And the Lord says, the plague's coming. You better straighten these people out. And and people were dying and dying from this plague that the Lord sent. And he says, Aaron, get your censer and put fire on it. Go stand between the dead and the living and make, make intercession for these people that they don't die. Did God show up? God showed up. God showed up. God showed up on Moses' behalf because he had called Moses, because he had a calling of God upon his life because he had chosen Moses, not because Moses was sinless or perfect, but because the Lord had chosen him, and he was the one that Lord, the Lord had, was using at this time. If he hadn't have showed up, there would have been a full-scale rebellion. There would have been confusion reigning, and God's not going to let that happen. He's not the author of confusion, and he's not gonna, he'll let it go on longer than we think it should a lot of times, but he's going to bring an end to it. I say all the time, the day of Pentecost when Peter and the others were, they left the upper room and they, they had been baptized in the Holy Ghost in fire and they were all speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And it was the time of the Feast of Pentecost and people were coming in and out of the Jerusalem from other countries. They said, these people are drunk. How do we speak them? We're hearing them speak in our language. How, how is that possible? Confusion, right? Confusion. Some said they're drunk. Some said they're they're you know, whatever, and they're making up all kinds of different things. And Peter says, we're not drunk, as you suppose. This is what Joel prophesied about. He brought clarity to it. God showed up. And guess what? 3,000 people were saved that day because God did show up. His man Peter preached the truth, and people believed. The Lord shows up. He shows up, and he's the only one that can do it, that can bring the clarity out of the confusion. So here's Moses, and he trusted the Lord. He turned to the Lord. He fled to the Lord. He fell upon his face. And we did a study in the life of Moses uh, last year, and and he there was that was his pattern. We looked at two examples today. But he fell on his face before the Lord. There's a need. They didn't have any water. He fell on his face before the Lord. They're about to stone him because they didn't have any food to eat or water. He fell on his face before the Lord. Uh, they're about to stone him. You brought us out here to kill us. Uh, Pharaoh and his armies right behind us. He fell on his face before the Lord. This is what a man of God does and a woman of God does. We turn to the Lord. God had to make the truth known about the whole matter, whether it was, it was Miriam and Aaron or whether it was Korah and the others, and he did, and about himself. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles and read 2 Samuel chapter 22. Now, 2 Samuel 22 is actually a psalm of David that's written in the Psalms, Psalm 18. But I want to skip around and just read a few verses from this. Psalm 22, let's pick up in verse 7 and 8. Remember, this is the same thing as we read about uh, starting in verse 4 is Psalm 18. But I want us to look at verse eight, 7 and 8. In my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried to my God. And he did hear my voice out of his temple. And my cry did enter into his ears. I want you to see this is encouraging to us. Because this man who was not perfect, but he was a man after God's heart, he's crying unto the Lord in his distress. You know, as a Christian, and as, as sold-out believers to the Lord, you're going to have distress in your life. You're going to have times of distress. Some, like I said, sometimes they're really big. Sometimes they're just kind of not so big. But we're going to have distress in our lives, and we've got to learn to cry. In my distress, I called upon the Lord, cried unto God. What did God do? He did hear. My cry came unto God, and he did hear my voice out of his temple. And my cry did enter into his ears. Then the earth shook and trembled. Did God show up? Then the earth shook and trembled. The foundations of heaven moved and shook because he was wroth. Verse 10. He bowed the heavens also and came down. And darkness was under his feet. Now he's coming down, he says. Verse 14. The Lord thundered from heaven and the Most High uttered his voice. Verse 17. He sent from above. He took me up, took me. He drew me out of many waters. He delivered me from my strong enemy and from them that hated me, for they were too strong for me. Now, I want us to look at this for a moment. This is not talking about having distress and having... Enemies and strong enemies. It's not a pity party. We don't go through life as victims, okay? We're more than conquerors through the Lord, and we ought not look at ourselves as victims. The fact of the matter is we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. But also the fact of the matter is the Lord puts our test to the faith and allows enemies to come against us that our faith may be strengthened, that we may keep our eyes on the Lord, that we might grow and mature as Christians, and then he might show forth his power, okay? He wants us to learn to turn to him. To turn to the Lord. And this is what David did. David had a need. Whatever the need was. Many times we know a lot of his needs. We can read in the Bible and see. But he was in distress. He called upon the Lord. And he needed the Lord, his God, to show up in a big way. He needed his God to be God. The Lord heard his cry. And the Lord showed up on David's behalf. just Just in the verses we read. It says he came down he thundered from heaven, he uttered his voice, he sent from above, he took me, he drew me out, he delivered me, and later it says he rewarded me and he brought me forth into a large place. That's just in the little portion of this that we read. God showed up, God uttered his voice, God heard him first of all and spake and moved on this man's behalf. He picked him up and delivered him. And set him in a large place. A large place in the Bible is always talking about a place of blessing and of safety. And uh, it's a good place to be. When we're tight and pressed in in a narrow place. And we feel like we've got no options and nowhere to turn. He'll lift us up. And he places us in a large place. Of where you can breathe. Where you can be thankful. And where you can worship the Lord. In a safe place. And this is what the Lord did for David. And this is what the Lord did for Moses. For God's sake he does it. For the Lord, it's not just for He does love you and He does it for us, but ultimately it's for His namesake that He works in your behalf, that He shows himself strong on the behalf of weak people like us, right? that no flesh should glory in his presence. He's chosen the foolish things and to, to confound the things that are wise and the weak things and the base things and things that are not to bring to nothing the things that are that no flesh should glory in his presence. He shows up on our behalf because he loves us, but he shows up and shows himself mighty that the world may know he's God. That all the naysayers may know he's God. That all the enemies that are coming against your soul and against your life will know he's God and that you're his. He does that for us. Be like if one of of these parents in here and somebody was bullying your child or messing with your child or something and and real harm or danger, you're going to go up there and grab them. This child is mine. Don't you lay a finger on them. This is God shows up in his time and shows himself mighty. In the case of, of Korah and Datham and Abiram, the Lord vindicated his man Moses and he brought judgment on those uh, his enemies that came against him, that came against him. He, he put an end to him, and that was it. And Korah gathered, I just want to read this, Korah gathered all the congregation against them unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, and the glory of the Lord appeared unto all the congregation. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, saying, Separate yourselves from among this congregation, that I may consume them in a moment. And Moses said, Hereby ye shall know that the Lord hath sent me to do all these works, for I have not de- done them of mine own mind. It's important that people know that. Uh, I could start naming names. I'm not going to do it. A, a people and just say, you take too much upon. Who do you think you are? You know, the Lord loves all of us. The Lord, whatever, the calling of God is the calling of God. And he's going to show up and he's going to defend those that belong to him. He's going to show up. And He is so faithful to do that. He wants us to trust Him to do that. I believe, according to the Word of God, I know that we, we, should, we should live in such a way that we're walking uprightly before the Lord, that we don't have a lot of accusations coming against us. Live in such a way that if you do have accusations against your life, as a, you're a believer and you're walking for the Lord, if you do have accusations against your life, let them be false. Amen. Live in such a way. Whatever they think, they're going to think till God straightens it out. Um, but let, let it be false if they're bringing some accusation. Moses, you take too much upon yourself. You're lifting yourself up above the people. But what is the Bible? We know the backstory. What does the Bible say? It says in Deuteronomy. It says what we read, and we opened the, the passage we read with Miriam and Aaron. Now it says Moses was the most meek man upon the face of all the earth. He's not lifting himself up. He's not taking too much upon himself. When the Lord called him at the burning bush, he said, send my brother Aaron. He speaks better. I stutter. I don't speak well. Can you send somebody else? The Lord says, enough. I'm sending you. I'll be with you. And then God sent him. But he's not taking it upon himself to, to that calling. The Lord called him, and the Lord made that clear. Amen? The Lord delivered David. The Lord delivered Moses and he'll do the same for us. But we need the Lord to show up, and he does. I thank God for his faithfulness. The Bible says in Psalm thirty-seven six that, "And he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light, and thy judgment as the noonday." Who's going to do that? The Lord is going to do that. Commit your way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. And he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light, and thy judgment as the noonday. Light. And noonday, it's bright and clear, and everybody knows it. He's going to show people. I don't know when that's going to be. Might be twenty years from now. It Might be when we all get to heaven. I don't know. Might be today. But at some point, the Lord's going to take your righteousness that you lived for Him—not that you're perfect, but you were doing what's right, living what's right, speaking what's right—and He's going to make it known that that's what you're doing. Live for God, okay? Live for God, your Father who sees in secret will reward thee openly. I'll just read this verse. It talks in, in 2 Corinthians 10. It says, For not he that commendeth himself is approved, but whom the Lord commendeth. We need God to commend us. What does that word commend mean? It means to make to stand or to exhibit favor, favorably. We need God to make us stand like Moses. And we need to exhibit him to exhibit us favorably to people. So all the confusion is gone. Not for any pride, not that we have a position or something like that. Just for his sake and for his glory, he is able to commend us and say, this is my beloved servant servant in whom I'm well pleased. This is my beloved son. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. That's the Lord speaking that. That's the Lord commending and calling David a man after his own heart. We, We need the Lord to do that. And I want to talk the rest of the the message this morning about our testimonies. I I just feel that this is what the Lord would have me to do in this message, that Moses' testimony was on the line, you could say. What's a testimony? A testimony is, is the the literal definition is like a record, to give record, to bear witness, okay, Uh, evidence. Testimony is a report. And we have a testimony, If you're born again, you have a testimony. You have a report that includes how you got saved, but it's more than how you got saved. You know, let let me hear your testimony. Well, when I was six years old in Vacation Bible School, Hallelujah for that. That's part of your testimony. But you're 55 years old now. Tell me about your testimony. Who is Christ to you today? Who is he in your life? What has he done for you? What do you trust in him for? How do you love him? Are you standing for him? Are you going to die for him if he calls you to? Your testimony for the Lord to bear witness. It's a record. And we want God to give a record of our lives that it's honoring to the Lord. Not that we're perfect. We've sinned and we've sinned since we've been saved. We've sinned. But when we sin, we go to God and we We repent. We ask God for forgive, forgiveness, and he cleanses us. And he dusts us off and cleanses us off, and we get up and we keep running the race that's set before us with meekness and fear. Amen? Walking before the Lord. But our testimony for the Lord is valuable. In fact, the older you, you grow and the longer you grow, older you grow in the faith, you see that there's nothing really more valuable than that. What do you have that people could take? A car? Would that be more valuable than your testimony in the Lord? You understand what I'm saying? It's, there's nothing, as we grow in the Lord, it's, it's everything. It's everything. Our testimony is of great value to God. It honors him. This is my beloved son, he said of Jesus. And it honors him when we walk up, uprightly before the Lord. And it's great value. It's of great value to us. It should be of great value to us. So I want to look back at this just real real quickly. So Moses is attacked, you could say, uh, not physically, but is accused by Korah, Datham, and Abiram, and 250 famous men in the congregation. And their accusation was, you lift yourself up above the congregation. You do that. You, try, you take too much upon yourself. And it said later that you're trying to make yourself a prince over us, so you can use and abuse us and take advantage of us. Is any of that true? It's not true. He needed the Lord to show up and set that straight. And his God did that and set it straight, okay? Miriam and and Aaron come. They bring the same type of accusations. And they said, said, Hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Hath he not spoken by us also? It says, And the Lord heard it. (laughs) That's important to know. The Lord heard it we need to remember that God doesn't send down fire every second when somebody looks at us cross-eyed or, you know but but the fact is he wants to test he is going to defend us he is going to defend us in the long run when he sees fit to do it the Lord heard it he says and he says come out here Moses and Aaron and Miriam and stand here at the door of the tabernacle Now, Moses, I want you to separate a little bit and these two other over here. And he turns and he talks to Aaron and Miriam and says, why were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? He's not even just a prophet that I give dreams and visions to. I speak to him face to face. Why weren't you afraid to speak against him? And she was smitten with leprosy and the Lord departed, healed her of that seven days later. What's the the point is? The point is that God's going to defend us. We need him to defend us. And if we're trying to do it ourselves, we're wasting our times. If you're trying to defend yourself and build your character up in front of every enemy that you have, stop. Stop doing it. Go to God. Let them say what they're going to say and post on social media what they want to post or however they want to do it. You get on your face before God and you see who he doesn't defend. He'll do it in his time. You might have to walk through some things and I might have to walk through some things. But he's going to do it. This was an assault. These, these that came against Moses. It wasn't just some little secular, natural, carnal thing. This was an assault on his testimony. And his testimony to him was everything. Moses had surrendered all. He made a choice to leave Egypt and the treasures behind and the pleasures of sin for a season because he had respect unto the recompense of the reward that God would give him. By faith, he chose that. He chose Jehovah and all that God had for him. So he was not lifting himself up above the people, but his testimony was everything. He was meek And the Bible says he's the most meek man on the face of the earth. He was faithfully serving the Lord. And he's being accused of just the opposite. You're just lording it over us for personal gain, basically. And he was accused by his own family at that time. But he falls upon his face. Jeremiah, we see it all through the Bible. Jeremiah was accused. He was a true prophet of God. The time when when God was preparing Judah to be uh, taken over And taken captive to Babylon, he's prophesying the truth and preaching the truth and doing what's right. Nothing but what's right. And he's being accused by the priest of of Jerusalem as conspiring with the enemy. Not true. God made it known. God makes it known. Maybe not even our lifetime does he make it known. The apostle Paul was accused, I'll just read this, The Jews in Jerusalem cried out, men of Israel, help. This man, speaking about Paul, he teaches men everywhere against the people and the law in this place. And further, he brought Greeks into the temple and has polluted this holy place. He didn't do any of that. He didn't do any of that you say he preached against the law, he preached the truth and that Christ fulfilled the law and that men are not under the law. He actually did not, because the Bible tells us, did not bring the Gentiles in the temple, but they saw him, Paul, with some Gentiles and they assumed he brought them into the temple. The whole point is this, God had to sp- speak on his behalf. God had to show, set his man, and who was right And Jesus of all, was accused of, of all kinds of things. You know what the, the Pharisees said about Jesus? Then said the Jews unto him, Now we know that thou hast a devil. Can you believe it? The holy spotless Lamb of God. The eternal Son of God. Who thumped Satan Lucifer out of heaven with his finger. And they're accusing him. Now we know he has a devil. Another passage said, And the scribes which came down from Jerusalem said, He hath Beelzebub, and by the prince of devils he cast out devils. They accused him of blasphemy, and they accused him of having a demon and using demonic powers to do what he did. What did Jesus do? He turned to his father. He turned to his father. Yes, he spoke on his behalf, his own behalf <clears throat> many times, but I can tell you that his father vindicated and validated him, he validated him when he rose him from the dead. When every demon in hell came against him, and all of Rome came against him, and all the Jewish hierarchy came against him, and everybody says, we don't want this man to rule over us. He's not the king of the Jews, and they mocked and ridiculed him. God, wherefore God has given, given assurance unto all men, Paul said on Mars Hill, in that he hath raised him from the dead. Father, glorify thy name, Jesus said. Then, there, then came there a voice from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. The people, therefore, that stood by heard it. They said that it thundered. Others said an angel spake by him. Jesus answered and said, this voice came not because of me, but for your sakes. From the time that God wanted those people to know, whatever was going on right there, there's a voice that thundered from heaven, and the people heard it. Jesus said, I didn't need to hear that voice. That wasn't for my sake. I already know that I'm glorified with my Father. That came for your sake. The Lord is able to make it known. Amen. He desires to make it known. and He does make it known. He's faithful to do that. What did Jesus do that was so wise that we can learn from his life is that he surrendered it all to the Father. He didn't go around and, and people said, you have a devil. Well, he said, no, if I'm casting out devils by the power of Satan, then Satan's house is divided. divided. But if I, by the power of God, with the finger of God, cast out devils, then you know that God is among you. He didn't speak like that. He said, who do you cast them out by? If you're accusing me of doing it by the devil, you're not casting out any devils yourself. But the Lord spake on his behalf, and he sur- submitted himself to the Lord. That's what it says in First Peter, that he committed himself. When he was reviled, he reviled not again, right? But he committed himself unto him who judges righteously. And that's something we need to learn to do. You are going to have things come against your life. Satan's gonna come against your life. Satan's gonna get people send people against your life. They don't care less what happens to you or your testimony. They don't care what happens to your testimony, but you do. And you're gonna have people come against you. And you have things come against you. We're not victims, but it's just fact. It's a fact, okay? And when we do have that, we need to surrender it to the Lord. If God gives you a word to speak, speak it. We're not mute. If God wants us to say something in defense, there are times that he allows us to do that. But if you go around trying to put out every little fire that started, that's all you do with your life. You'll die putting out fires. And you won't do one thing for God. You won't accomplish anything that he called you to do because you're spending all your time doing that. But if we submit ourselves to him and judge us righteously, God's going to bring forth our, our righteousness as the light and our judgment as the noonday he's going to do it. He wants us to surrender that fully to him. So I'm going to bring this to a close this morning, but we need the Lord to speak. We use Moses as an example, okay? In these two two scenarios, we need the Lord to speak and we need the Lord to reveal truth. We need the Lord to defend, we need the Lord to proclaim, and he does. He does. May not, like I said, may not be exactly when we want it. Stephen did die with those stones hitting him. But you know what he did when he died? He saw he saw the son of father heaven's open to the son of God stand at the right hand of the father, standing ready to receive him. God was defending him even then, even in death. It may not be how we think or or maybe exactly when we think we the deliverance is going to come or the who God show them. show them the truth, show them they're wrong, show them I'm right and we go through life that way, God may let us go through that for a while, but he wants us to trust him, okay? He wants us to trust him. He is the only one who can do it. Is there, I'll ask this question as we're about to close. Is there anything that Moses could have said on his own to Miriam and Aaron or to Korah and Datham and Byron and, and the 250 men of renown, is there anything he could have said to them that would have set them straight? I don't think there's one thing. Their minds were made up. It would have been cast in pearl before swine, basically. What are they going to arm wrestle and see who wins? There's nothing he could do to prove that God had called him. His life had already proved it, and they didn't believe that. His life had already proved it. So God shows up, and God says, Moses, separate yourself from those people. I'm going to take care of them. You let me handle them. He fell on his face before the Lord. We need to learn to fall on the fa- our faces before the Lord and call upon him and trust him to do it. Amen? Amen? There's nothing that Moses could have done. There's nothing that would have satisfied the people. And, oh, okay, we get it now. We're, we're sorry we rebelled, and we're sorry we said those things. God had to do it. There comes a point where the Lord has to do it. But I want to live in such a way that, as I said, that, yes, there will be accusations and and misunderstandings and confusion and false things. They said Jesus had a demon, okay? Uh, but let it be false. Let it be false. Live in such a way that you're, none of it's true. You don't love us anymore. You this. You hate us. Whatever it may be, yes, I do love you. And I'm praying for you. You understand? Whatever it may be, let, let, let it be false if it's an accusation of something wrong against your testimony. God wants you to guard your testimony. He wants to guard your testimony. And in the end, he's going to make it known who and what's of God. I want to close with this. D, you can come. If you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm 37. I quoted one or two verses from there. And I want to kind of skip around. If you ever get down discouraged, you feel overwhelmed by things coming against your life, you ought to read Psalm 37. Just read the whole thing. But we're going to read a few verses. Verse 7. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospers in his way. Because of the man who brings wicked devices to pass. God's telling me it's going to happen. they are going to bring people that come against you. There are going to be wicked people that prosper. And you say, God, why are you letting them prosper? And they're prospering at my expense sometimes. Why are you letting it happen? Wait patiently on the Lord. That's what he's telling you. Wait. You just see this little snapshot. I see the whole picture. I see the whole thing coming. Verse 12. The wicked plotteth against the just and gnasheth upon him with his teeth. Look what it says. The Lord shall laugh at him, for he sees that his day is coming. There is a day coming. God's going to set it straight. Verse 32. The wicked watcheth the righteous and seeketh to slay him that the kind of thing that was happening with Korah and Moses and David all through his life? The Lord will not leave him, not the righteous. The Lord's not going to leave the righteous man in his hand, nor condemn him when he's judged. Wait on the Lord and keep his, keep his way, and he shall exalt thee to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, thou shalt see it. Y'all stand with me this morning. I don't want you to leave here saying, poor me, and look at all the bad things and bad people that are coming against my life. It's just a fact. In heaven, we won't have that. On this earth, we do. And we can live just like our Lord did by the power of the Holy Spirit. We commit our, can commit ourselves to the Lord, and we can put our problems and the people and the accusations and the confusion and, and say, God, how's it all going to be cleared up? Ten years, they believe this lie about me. How is it going to be cleared up? Put it in God's hands. Put it in God's hand and trust him. Let him take care of it. Let him bring forth your righteousness as the light and your judgment as the noonday. He will do it. I promise you he'll do it. He's faithful. Amen. Y'all.